When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to the Chicago Audible podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. What's going on, Bears fans? As you know, sports betting season is in full force, which means you need a sports book with integrity and longevity like BetUS. BetUS have been pioneers in the sports book industry for almost three decades, thriving and paying their loyal customer base. Join now at BetUS.com today and receive a 125% sign-up bonus by using code CHICAGO125. BetUS has all your NFL games with team and player props including NFL futures and odds. In addition to the NFL, you can bet on college football games, PGA golf, NBA games, and more. They have every bet type imaginable, and the BetUS mobile platform is easy to use with full betting options. Follow my lead and get your phone online and social sports betting partner with integrity and longevity like I did. Cash in on your 125% sign-up bonus at BetUS.com with our code CHICAGO125. Bet US. You bet, you win, you get paid. Bet US. Welcome to another episode of the Chicago Audible Podcast. I'm your host, Nicholas Moriano, for today's Meet the Opponent episode. To preview this week nine matchup between the Chicago Bears and Pittsburgh Steelers on Monday Night Football, I have Mark Bergen, host of the Believe in Steelers podcast. Mark, how's your day going so far? Nicholas, thanks so much for having me on, and it is a pleasure to be on with the pride of Waukegan. Oh, thank you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, Mark, and you have, like, you you messaged, you emailed me yesterday saying, this game, your allegiance is going to be conflicted because you grew up a Bears fan. What was some of your, you know, what do you remember about those days? Yeah, so I started with Ike Taylor on the Believe in Steelers podcast in October of 2019 while I was between jobs and He's adopted me as an honorary Yinzer. So, you know, we've been doing our show, our Steelers show for three years now. But yeah, grew up in Naperville, Illinois, big Bears fan. Talking about, you know, the glory days of Jim Miller and Shane Matthews. Chicago's always been in love with a backup quarterback for as long <laughs> as I can remember. 
Looks like they finally have a good one in Justin Fields now, maybe for the first time ever. Chicago's been looking for a quarterback really since Sid Luckman all the way back in the Hallis era. So grew up a huge Bears fan. And uh, it's, you know, rinse and repeat some of the same problems where it's like, okay, you got a pretty stout defense, offense that's struggling. And, you know, maybe they can drum up something, you know, every few years there. I know the NFC North's always going through Green Bay. And so it's like, we'll see what happens in the offseason with Matt Nagy. We'll see what happens with Ryan Pace if they're held with their feet to the fire because it all starts from the top down. But yeah, I mean, it. it's, <laughs> I consider myself one of the most pessimistic Bears fans, but again, <laughs> divided allegiances considering I do uh, a Pittsburgh Steelers show, the Believe in Steelers podcast twice a week. You know what, Mark? I think being a Bears fan, you just have to be pessimistic at all times just because of, you know, the state of the team where it's at every single season. But I completely agree with you there. That's how I kind of view myself when I, you know, I'm covering the Bears, watching them on Sundays and seeing how their season usually derails while they're still in season. So it usually happens that way. But, Mark, we're here to talk about this this Pittsburgh Steelers team and this Bears teams are really going in different directions. Bears on a three-game losing streak, Pittsburgh on a three-game winning streak. So just to kind of start things off here for you, Mark, they Pittsburgh did start the season one and three and now have turned it around with those three straight wins. What's kind of the vibe, the atmosphere like with the Steelers now four and three and on a three game winning streak? The key is establishing the run and running the football. So if you just look at the stats and you say Steelers are 28th in the league in rushing, that only paints a little bit of the picture. Weeks one through four, Steelers average 55 yards on the ground. You go since week five, since that three-game winning streak, the Steelers are averaging 127 rushing yards in those three games. And so you point to Najee Harris, the first-round pick out of Alabama, establishing him with a young offensive line and getting that young offensive line in rhythm. This is something you know as a Bears fan, Nicholas. We have two teams playing on Monday Night Football that rank near the bottom of salary cap allocation along the offensive line. Now, for the Steelers, the reason being is this. You've got two rookies on the offensive line, Dan Moore Jr. at the left tackle position, Kendrick Green out of Illinois at the center position. Kevin Dotson, the left guard, is a second-year player. So that's why the Steelers rank near the bottom of the league in offensive line salary cap allocation. A lot of times in life, you get what you pay for. And if you don't allocate either draft capital and I'm talking about a first or second round pick or free agency and saying, who's the best guy we can get available. You're seeing the same thing with the with Chicago bears and the Tevin Jenkins experiment. He had back surgery. So what do you do? You sign 39 year old Jason Peters off the street, potential future hall of fame player, but he's at the age of 39. And when you see Chicago line him up one-on-one -on -one against miles Garrett, one of the best defensive players in the league, I'd argue top three, you know, anyone's going to struggle in that scenario, let alone someone who's getting off his couch in August. And so some, some of the problems along the offensive line, you can see, you know, between these two teams, they've mirrored each other a little bit in some of the offensive struggles, and it all starts up front. But Pittsburgh, on that three-game winning streak, they're not putting the onus on Big Ben Roethlisberger right now. They're putting him on a pitch count. They're not having him throw the ball 40 or 50 times a game. Because let's be honest here, unless you have an elite quarterback, that's really not a recipe for success for any team, let alone a quarterback in year 18 at the age of 39. So you establish the run. You not only establish the run, you control the line of scrimmage, you control the clock, get your defense some rest. And then when Big Ben needs to make plays, he can. 
I like to see this too in the offensive coordinator, Matt Cannon, his first year has made this adjustment, putting Big Ben under center more, more so than just having him line up in the shotgun formation, play after play after play after play. So establishing the run has been key for Pittsburgh on the three-game winning streak, and it's something I hope that they continue on Monday night against Chicago. No, absolutely, Mark. And another thing that I've noticed on that three-game winning streak for the Pittsburgh Steelers is that Big Ben hasn't turned the ball over in terms of in those interceptions that you were yep. seeing maybe early on in the season for them. Mark, how would you kind of assess how Ben Roethlisberger has played this season? He's like that old golfer where I'm not a golfer. I The last time I golfed, it was a charity golf tournament. And I was playing with the doctor who tells me, Mark, I haven't golfed a lot recently, but I've golfed a lot in my life. And it was like, all right, you know, we're going to be able to rely on his ball throughout the day where you're playing a scramble. And then the other two guys in our group are going to have to contribute, but we can't just rely on him, but we'll be able to rely on him when it really counts, when it really matters. That's kind of how I would like in Big Ben. Uh, I, I'll say this. It was looking bleak during the three-game losing streak that the, C the Steelers had to where it was like, do they want to see what they have in Mason Rudolph or, or Dwayne Haskins? But he's righted the ship. And again, I go back to they're not putting the onus on him of having him throw the ball 40 or 50 times in a game. And you see what happens when even if you don't have success running the football, it keeps the clock moving, and at least your defense doesn't get exhausted out on the field. You know that all too well as a Bears fan, where the Bears have had a pretty stout defense the last several years, but you get gassed if you're on the field for 30, 35, 40 minutes in a game, especially now that we're into November and the weather's getting colder. So with Big Ben, last year, a lot of the problems stemmed from this, and this is why the Steelers got rid of offensive coordinator Randy Fichtner, and they promoted Matt Canada internally. Canada was the quarterback's coach a year ago. They would line up four five receiver uh, setups, Pittsburgh would, but they didn't have the offensive line to be able to protect Big Ben. So if you're a DB, you can sit on everything. You can sit at the sticks. You can sit at the first down marker because you know the ball is going to be coming out of his hands quick. And early on this season, Steelers were doing the same thing. And we saw at the end of the 2020 season, Steelers lose five of the last six games. They lose three in a row this season. And in week five, they made the adjustment against the Broncos. And they said, we're going to put Big Ben under center. We'll run more tight formations. We'll establish the tight ends in Pat Fryermuth and everything. We'll put Derek Watt, the fullback, on the field. And we're going to establish the run. Now, one thing I will say is this. Najee Harris has been outstanding. One key storyline for the Steelers in the second half of the season is finding the Robin to his Batman because he's still a rookie player. He's a very good player. But you want to make sure he can stay fresh for the back half of the season. And Mark, you just mentioned Najee Harris. For Bears fans who haven't seen a lot of him this season, what kind of running back will Bears fans see on Monday night with Najee Harris? I know he had a key block, and especially for, for running backs, rookie running backs, on what Pat Fryermouth Fryer um, touchdown catch in the fourth quarter. So seeing those, those little attributes that he has, but what kind of running back will Bears fans see on Monday night? Nicholas, that's a good eye. And you're talking about the touchdown catch on a fourth and goal situation in the fourth quarter against the Cleveland Browns and credit Ben Roethlisberger because he actually moved Harris from his right hip to his left hip. Now, why did he do that? And that's because his rookie left tackle, Dan Moore Jr. is going up against Miles Garrett. Someone you know all too well in Chicago after his four and a half sack performance earlier this year against Chicago. And so Harris is able to make a key chip block on Garrett on that play. 
And that gives Big Ben enough time to find Fryermuth in the back of the end zone. Fryermuth, the rookie out of Penn State, able to make a combat catch on that play, but that's not possible if not for Harris's ability to block. And so, you know, you see the highlight plays that'll be on ESPN of him soaring through the air. You get to see Air Najee scoring a touchdown, and that's great and all. It makes for a great highlight. But if you want to be an every down back in the NFL, it's being able to pick up pass protection, pick up pass protection against one of the best edge rushers in the league. And that was a key play in that Steelers victory. Now, and then I go back to this. If Mason Rudolph or Dwayne Haskins is, is, are in on that play, do they have the veteran presence to know, I can't leave my rookie lined up against an all-pro defensive end across from Miles Garrett? I would argue no. And so that's where whatever deficiencies Big Ben has at this point in his career, he's able to make up for that for some of what goes into the mental aspect of being a quarterback. But that play shows you why, look, I know first round dra drafting a first round running back is frowned upon in the NFL, but so far this season, Steelers have gotten a pretty good return on their investment. They finished last in the league in rushing last year and coming down from the top from ownership, Art Rooney, the second he said, yeah, we don't want that to ever happen again. And knock on wood, I don't think ever again in our lifetimes the Steelers will finish last in rushing. They draft Harris. That's the reason. And they're starting to use him more and more and more, starting to get acclimated. The young line's starting to gel too. Once this line actually gets cooking and gets in rhythm and is dominant at the line of scrimmage, pairing that with what we've seen from Harris and his ability to make defenders miss, we're talking about a scary, scary combination starting to come to fruition. You're starting to see some progress there too. Something I'd like to see them continue in the coming weeks. But I, again, I go back to this. Who's going to step up in that backup role to Harris? Because yeah, he's going to be your bell cow more often than not, but he's still a rookie player. You don't want to put too much of the load on him too soon. And you're going to need his performance on the back half of this season, especially it gets, as it gets colder and colder outside. I'll tell you this, Mark, if there's a game for really the, the offensive line to click for the Pittsburgh series to really just keep that rushing attack going, it's gets the Bears, who were just torched on the ground by Elijah Mitchell and the 49ers and have been, you know, really these past two, three weeks now just being destroyed on the ground. So see what happens on Monday night. And then yeah, just, I, I know, hang on, let me interrupt you, though, really quickly. I know Khalil Mack was out, though, too. And then I know Akeem Hicks has missed some time this year, too. The analogy I kind of make, too, is what Akeem Hicks and Khalil Mack are for the Bears are what Cameron Hayward and TJ mm -hmm. Watt are for the Steelers. And look, being a Chicagoland native myself, I can tell you there are a lot of great steakhouses in Chicago, right? So you've got the steak, which is Cam Hayward and Akeem Hicks up front, and then your sizzle can do putting up flashy statistical output and Khalil Mack and TJ Watt. There are some parallels there too. So I, I know Khalil Mack wasn't playing and he, listen, a player who's played really well and who's benefited off Khalil Mack this season, Robert Quinn, Robert Quinn uh, redemption season for Chicago. So like, look, look, I know the Bears, they had absolutely no rush against Jimmy G and the 49ers. It's something you, I would imagine will get a bit short up on Monday night against the Steelers. Yeah, Sean Desai has a uh, Bears defense corner has some some things to definitely work on to improve on just trying to scheme up guys to get to Ben Roethlisberger on Monday. Just a two part question for to end this kind of offensive discussion that we have going sure. on here, Mark. Um, when you look at this Steelers offense, what is their that unit's greatest strength? And then on the other half of that, what's the unit's biggest weakness right now? 
again, I point to the offensive line. It has played better in, in the recent weeks. But if you're talking about putting the offensive line amongst the NFL's best, a lot of it is just you have a lot of young players just don't have as much game experience. Now, Zach Banner is going to be working his way back too. He could have played, but he's he's working his way back from a season-ending injury a year ago. I'd be very curious to see if the Steelers put him in at the right tackle position for Chooks or Korafor. Now, the strength, I would say the Steelers have some pretty talented skill position players. Deontay Johnson might be the most underrated receiver in the league. He led the NFL and drops a season ago, and he's been much improved in that area this season. Chase Claypool a year ago, we talk about a lot of the young rookie receivers from the last few years. I mean, you've got Jamar Chase this year, Justin Jefferson a year ago, all the receivers that the Cowboys have. Chase Claypool had 11 touchdowns last year for the Steelers, which tied a Steelers rookie record. And you look about all the great receivers Pittsburgh's had throughout the history of their franchise. So you've got a nice little one-two combination, and it softens the blow of losing Juju Smith-Schuster earlier this year with the season-ending shoulder injury to where I don't think he's going to be back in a Pittsburgh Steelers uniform because he's in a contract season this year because you've got two guys in Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool can help carry the low the load. And then Pat, mixing Pat Fryermuth into the mix, then you've got Najee. You've got some talent at the skill position. So I'd say that is the, the team's strength is you actually have some depth there. Receiver, I mean, James, don't sleep on James Washington either. He was a go-to target for Big Ben a year ago. Steelers haven't used him quite as much this year, this season, for whatever reason. He's also in a contract season. But considering what they have at young skill position players, I would not be surprised if Juju gets let go in the offseason and he can walk in free agency. I think the same can be said for Eric Ebron, considering what we've seen from Pat Fryermuth so far this season. Again, I go back to Juju's in a contract year, James Washington's in a contract year, Eric Ebron's in a contract year. Normally, you'd want to see them ball out, and you know Juju's hurt, Ebron's missed some time, hasn't played all of that well. James Washington hasn't been able to get on the field. I'd imagine that you know between Ebron and Washington, they want to play better because they want to get paid, whether it's for, from Pittsburgh in the offseason, Pittsburgh wants to bring them back on a sweetheart deal, or one of the other NFL's 31 teams. You have some depth at the skill position players. Again, I go back to a lot of it depends on can the young line continue to develop? Can they keep Big Ben upright? But the best way to develop a young line, run the football and put their body weight on opposing teams' defenses. And even if you don't have success early on, you keep the clock moving. But what does that do to an opposing defense when you're in the third and fourth quarters? And again, I mean, you know this in Chicago, the elements and the weather is also a factor in Pittsburgh. When it gets colder out and it's harder to tackle guys and you don't want to you don't want to tackle the big lumbering running back, it hurts. So I want to see the young line continue to develop. That is an area I'd like to see them improve in the offseason if they don't continue to improve. Because I see like, again, 28th in the league in rushing is better than last. So there's been some progress there. I want to see them keep climbing up the team stats charts of getting a higher rushing output because like it's no secret how Pittsburgh's had success in the Mike Tomlin era dating back to Bill Cowher. Mike Tomlin's in year 15 still does not have a losing season. So I know a lot of Steelers fans will point to some of his lack of playoff success in recent years. But if the Steelers were ever to get rid of Mike Tomlin, I can assure you this, if he wanted to work in the NFL again, he'd be hired before sundown. I can promise you that. So to answer your question, 
really shortly. The young offensive lines where they've struggled, where they're getting better. And then the skill position players are actually pretty talented, but a lot of it is incumbent upon that offensive line. All right, Bears fans, there's uh, where you need to look at when assessing this, this Pittsburgh Steelers offense. Before we talk about the defense, just a quick message to our listeners. If you're into protein shakes and looking for something new, check out Owen, 100% plant-based. Shakes are delicious. Justin Fields partners with Owen, so our listeners also get 20% off their first purchase with the code TCA20, so definitely check that out. So, Mark, I'm glad you brought up Cam Hayward earlier in this discussion because I was drawing the similarities of his importance to this team Similar to what Akeem Hicks does for the Bears defense, just the life and blood of that defense. How, and it, I saw a play, it was against the, the Cleveland Browns. It was just a fourth and one play where he doesn't get credit for the tackle, but it's the first play of the second quarter. And he makes the, the running back bounce outside Nick Chubb. He's not going to get credit for that in the, the stat sheet, but it was because of Cam Hayward's penetration that the play was able to be made. And it's like, that's, I see a lot of that in Akeem Hicks. So my question for you, Mark, is like, how does Cam, what is, what does Cam Hayward mean to his Pittsburgh Steelers defense? You build your house from the ground up. He's everything. He's absolutely everything. So I know a lot of the glitz and glam will go to TJ Watt and a lot of the glitz and glam will go to Minka Fitzpatrick when he's making plays in the secondary, but it all starts with Cameron Hayward up front and he might not get the recognition from, you know, Pro Bowl considerations and whatnot in the league. But if you look at how he's graded and if you actually watch the tape and watch the games, when he's on the field, how the Steelers defense is compared to when he's off it, it is night and day. And I think that's a great parallel you make with Akeem Hicks for the Chicago Bears and that defense there because the same can be said as that. And whether you want to say, you know, he's a Batman and Watts a Robin or vice versa, I kind of consider them both co-Batmans. He might not have the statistical production that you have from an edge rusher position. I mean, like the only guy from an interior standpoint who actually puts up insane numbers is Aaron Donald, because I'm pretty sure Aaron Donald is a mutant, but Cameron Hayward, it seems like year after year, after year, after year, and he's in his thirties now, but we say Cameron Hayward's playing the best football of his career. And he, he, in my opinion, he's been the team's MVP this year. I, I think he's been that important to that Steelers defense. It all starts with him up front. And, I, and honestly, I, I think to myself, too, if the Steelers can get back uh, Tyson Alu-Alu and Stefan Tuitt, two players who haven't really played this year, how, how much even scarier the Steelers' defense could be because they've been really, really since the Steelers acquired Minka Fitzpatrick for a first-round draft pick in 2019, this Steelers' defense has been terrific. If the offense can even be competent, can even be mediocre, you have a really special defense and a lot of special players up front starts with Cam Hayward up front. It goes to TJ Watt and company. TJ Watt's a beneficiary of Cam Hayward. And really everyone on that Steelers defense is a beneficiary of Cam Hayward because he's playing at an all pro level. And I, I would even argue this season specifically, he's playing at as high a level as you see week in and week out from Aaron Donald. He's that important for the Pittsburgh Steelers defense. So Sam Mustafer, James Daniels, Cody Whitehair, Watch out, essentially, for Cameron Hayward, what he can do on Monday night. And before, actually, Mark, we get into more of these defense questions I have, I noticed there's been a couple references to Batman and Robin. I heard mutants. Like, are you a big superhero guy? Because, I mean, that's what I'm kind of known for here at the Chicago Audible. Just curious. I'm kind of picking up on a superhero Marvel DC kind of vibe here. No. 
Yeah, yeah. It depends on how nerdy you want to go here. Batman was always my favorite, but then, you know, Wolverine, Spider-Man. Uh, I, I'm old school. I remember reading the comics as a kid, too. Okay. So this is well before you had anything on a big screen. But, yeah, I, I love my superheroes. And, yeah, I mean, Aaron, like I said, Aaron Donald, that, he's next level. Next level. Absolutely. So I, I had to ask because I'm, I'm always watching Marvel movies and – yeah, definitely grew up um, not reading the comics. I can't say that, but I did collect. My dad had cards, and I have a bunch of Spider-Man cards. Nice. nice. Um, yeah. So, Mark, um, everyone knows, like you, you mentioned T.J. Watt, Minka Fitzpatrick, these bigger name guys on this defense, and and the damage they can do. I remember just watching T.J. Watt take over the Seattle game, where he had a couple of big plays in a row. But is there someone on this defense that isn't being talked about a lot that Bears fans need to really know about? I'll go to the secondary uh, to answer that question. Joe Hayden. So veteran cornerback, also in a contract season, you will see him typically line up at the left cornerback position, meaning he's not a cornerback who travels with the team's number one receiver. So he's not going to mirror Allen Robinson on Monday night football. That's not how the Steelers run their defense. He will stay on that left side. Granted, most quarterbacks in the NFL are right-handed. When he's on his game, he's a Pro Bowl corner, and he's not talked about enough. And when the Steelers really need him to make a play, he is excellent at reading and opposing quarterback's tendencies. That's why they keep him at that left side because he's in his 30s now. He might have – I'm not going to say lost a step, maybe half step. He's not quite as fast as he was when he was a younger player in his career. But in a contract season – He's going to want to ball out one more time to get that one last contract, that one last payday. So he's someone I don't think that we talk about enough. I tell you what, too, Alex Highsmith, opposite TJ Watt. Why is this important? Steelers let Bud Dupree go, and he signed with the Titans. Bud Dupree, I think it took him till week seven to get his first sack of the year. Mm-hmm. Bud Dupree is a beneficiary of TJ Watt, was the Robin to TJ Watt's Batman. And so the Steelers save a ton of money not re-signing Dupree. Dupree was playing for the bag. He was in contract season. The Steelers decided to franchise him for a year. Played great in his final two years in Pittsburgh. But they're getting similar levels of production with Highsmith, and it's the reason why they trade Melvin Ingram to the Kansas City Chiefs because they like what they have in a young second-year player in Alex Highsmith and how he's starting to produce. I'd expect him to continue to get better and better and better, especially with the attention that both TJ Watt and Cameron Hayward Garner, he's going to have a lot of one-on-one matchups where you're in a one-on-one matchup because those other guys are, you know, the other opposing team's offense is focused on the other Steelers players. That's your time to eat. That's your time to shine. That's your time to take advantage. So again, especially considering this week that the Steelers trade Melvin Ingram to the chiefs, that's kind of who I look to it. it it's a vote in confidence in Alex Highsmith. I also found that this was, Kind of ironic, too, that Ingram is traded on Taco Tuesday and the Steelers <laughs> elevate Taco Charlton to their active roster. I don't think that's a coincidence, Nicholas. I don't think it is. Near do I. It makes too much sense here. Mark, uh, just one question I have on special teams. What's, do you, is there any update with kicker Chris Boswell? I know he took a big hit on you know the fake that they ran there in the game against the Cleveland Browns. Has there been any updates? Do we know what his playing status could be for for Monday night? 
Yeah, he's expected to play. And if not, I'm sure the Steelers will bring someone in. It sounded like I know reporters were asking Mike Tomlin about this, and he seemed confident that Boswell would be ready to go. Credit Tomlin for immediately owning it. It was a stupid decision to run that fake field goal late in the first half in a three to three ball game against your AFC North rival in the Cleveland Browns. I'm never going to fault a player for trying to make a play, which is what Boswell was trying to do. Now, a lot of Steelers fans might not like this. I don't think it was a dirty hit on Boswell because he was in bounds, still had the ball and was trying to throw it. He's got to know once Cleveland has that covered up, hats off to Cleveland, throw the ball away. You know, you lose the battle, but you don't lose the war. And because Boswell was injured in the second half, it nearly cost the Steelers that game because they couldn't kick a field goal. And even when they scored on ensuing kickoffs, they're kicking the ball out of bounds. And then the Browns are getting the ball at the 40-yard line. So, again, you got to know when to fold your hand, know when to hold them, know when to fold them. Boswell is just trying to make a play at that point in time. Cleveland had it covered up. And I, I the thing I'm curious about is, okay, is Boswell going to miss any time? It looks like he'll play Monday night. We'll see. We're recording this on Wednesday night, so a lot could change between now and then. But then number two, if he does play, does it impact his ability to make field goals? Because Boswell's been one of the most accurate kickers in the NFL, and you'd hear a heck of a lot more about Chris Boswell, if not for Justin Tucker across the division, the Baltimore Ravens kicker who nailed a 66-yard field goal and broke the record. You'd hear a lot more about Chris Boswell, if not for Tucker. Boswell's one of the NFL's best Hopefully, you can get back on the field and keep knocking them through the uprights for the Steelers. Mark, and I have one final question. It's a two-parter for you, and it's how we end each Meet the Opponent episode. First part of this two-part question is, why will the Steelers win on Monday night? I think the, the, whoever, whichever team establishes the running game, and if David Montgomery can go for the Bears, that's going to be big. I know they, the, the Bears just got Damian Williams back from – uh, COVID outbreak too. And the Bears have some nice running backs. I like the rookie Herbert too. I think whichever team can establish the running game uh, it's going to be key. And it's not just the running game, whichever team can control the clock because listen, the over under at 40 points, points are going to be a premium in this one. Steelers are a six and a half point favorite. And just again, like you said off the top of the show, Nicholas, I really point to just given the direction of both of these teams I think that the Pittsburgh Steelers will be successful. I've got the Steelers winning 24 to 20. Uh, I think that answered your first question. What was the second question? The second one, what will it take for the Steelers to lose this game on Monday night to the Bears? If they want to put Big Ben in a shotgun formation and throw the ball 50 or 60 times, and what that would require for Chicago is getting out to an early lead to where the Steelers are facing a deficit and you don't have the luxury of the time to be able to run the football because Steelers need to run the ball. But again, ranked 28th in the league, they're not exactly world beaters running the ball. They've been better in the last three victories that they've had. And I think part of that too is having time with the bye week to see and assess what they're doing well offensively. But if you can make Big Ben throw the ball 40, 50, we saw in the playoff game against the Browns, him throw the ball something like, I think it was like 68 times in a game. I don't care who your quarterback is. I don't care if you have Mahomes, Rodgers, Brady, Russell Wilson, name an elite quarterback. Throwing the ball that many times in a game is not a recipe for success. I know we're all obsessed with fantasy football and all the flashy highlights and everything. I understand it's an adapting game, but when push comes to shove, and especially once it gets cold out, and once we get into the playoffs in January, Running the football, controlling the clock, and playing stout defense becomes more and more and more important. Yeah, you need a quarterback to be able to make the plays, 
but you got to have a running game and a defense to even put yourself in that situation. I think that is what's going to be key is getting out to an early lead and forcing Big Ben and putting the onus on him because when the Steelers run the ball and they put Big Ben on the pitch count, they've had success when all the onus and it all falls on Big Ben's shoulders. At this point in his career, he's a future Hall of Fame player, no doubt. Winning two Super Bowls went to three. But at this point in his career, he's not that elite-level quarterback at this point. And so that that's going to be the key for Chicago. Getting the running game going, getting out to an early lead, putting the Steelers in a deficit because then you're putting them behind the eight ball. And they're not just chasing a deficit. They also have to worry about the clock. That'll be key for Chicago. There you go, Bears fans. That's a recipe for success. We'll see if the Bears can implement that on Monday night. Mark, before I let you go, where can people follow you to stay up to date with this Steelers team as we approach game day? Appreciate that. And thank you so much, Nicholas, for having me on. Uh, I am at MD Bergen on pretty much any social media platform, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. You can find the Believe in Steelers podcast. That's B-L-E-A-V in Steelers podcast on YouTube as well. We are growing there and it's been so much fun. We just... We, we've had our show since October 2019. This year, we just started adding a video component. Uh, Nicholas, I, I could tell earlier, you've watched some of our video breakdowns. We like breaking down a few plays from each game, video footage courtesy of NFL Game Pass during our Taylor Talk segment. Uh, I, ho I host the show with Steelers cornerback Ike Taylor. He's a 12-year veteran of the Pittsburgh Steelers, also a two-time Super Bowl champion. And so... Getting to talk to Ike twice a week is one of my favorite things that I get to do because every time we talk, I learn something new. So people can find us there. You can listen. You can watch. We make it easy for you. But Nicholas, thank you again so much for having me on. Mark, thank you for coming on and giving us this great insight on the Pittsburgh Steelers. For when you'll hear from the Chicago Audible next and tomorrow for our game preview of the Pittsburgh Steelers for Monday night's matchup. But until then, bear down, Chicago. Bear down.